is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. You gotta have a dream if you don't have a dream. How you gonna have a dream come true? Talk about a moon floating in the Cannonball Adley and Nancy Wilson with Happy Talk. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM and I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. We're getting close to the end of 2016 and I've got a cracker for you here on Jazz Shapers. Just in case you didn't know, Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And alongside them, we bring their equivalents in the world of business and we call them business shapers. I'm very pleased to say my business shaper today is Daniel Rubin. He's the founder and executive chairman of the June Group and they sell gorgeous shoes. So my wife and many of her friends tell me. You'll be hearing lots from him very shortly. In addition to hearing from Daniel, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we've got some brilliant music here in the back end of December. And they're from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul, just in case you were worrying. Esperanza Sporting's coming up. Oscar Peterson as well. And this from Jason Moran. That was Jason Moran with Honeysuckle Rose. Here on New Year's Eve, my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers is Daniel Rubin, and he's the founder and executive chairman of the June Group, as I said. And just in case you don't know, though you're unlikely not to know, they sell really nice shoes, not just in this country, but apparently through their website over in over 130 countries and in over 70 currencies. Daniel. I don't know why you don't look exhausted, but you don't, because you should be running a business of over 150 million turnover, over 2,000 employees, but you're here you are looking sprightly. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Elliot, and it's a great pleasure to be, be on your programme. Good, thank you. Um, now, uh, you're from a family of shoemakers, though the advice um, I hear was to not become a shoemaker or, or someone associated with, with the shoe business. Just tell me how you... Uh, eventually got roped into the the family business back in, well, it was almost 40 years ago, actually, 1976. It is. No, it's a long time ago. I mean, I'm the fourth generation of um, of shoemakers. Uh, my great-grandfather was a cobbler back in the mid-19th century uh, in Lithuania. Then it was Russia. And um, his son wasn't happy. You know, it was the time of the pogroms in Russia. There was a lot of persecution. And so he decided to get out. So he got on a boat, left his family and headed towards New York to meet his brother, Morish. He got off the boat, uh, but then he discovered that, in fact, he'd been swindled. He was in London, not in New York. So he was he was a bit unhappy. And he, he arrived in London with just one German mark in his pocket. And um, he didn't really know what to do. But he, he did have the contact number of a friend. So he went to visit that friend. And he was a shoemaker, um, also a shoemaker. And from there, you know, he started off. He opened a small workshop in Whitechapel. Uh, then he moved to a bigger factory. 
And then he got married, and his three sons, of which one was my father, Louis, he also became a shoe manufacturer. And so there is a sort of a, a deep-seated history of shoemaking um, and shoes in, in my family. Just going back to that, your, your, your grandfather's story um, and arriving here with one German mark in his pocket... You know, we, we're in the middle of, of, a, of a world which is seeing mo- movements of people that we haven't seen for many generations. Your grandfather, in a way, was doing something similar, which was going away from a place which wasn't very nice, which wasn't very um, affable, to, 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 to say it lightly, into a place which had great opportunity. What bravery do you think, if you put yourself in his shoes, what kind of fearlessness would that have taken? And do you think that in, is in your DNA in terms of what's the worst thing that can happen? Because that's a big thing to do, isn't it? It is a big thing. And, and you're right when you think about it, you know, just sort of going, I think, obviously, he was going to visit his brother. So that was easier. Mm. Uh, but yeah, suddenly arriving in a foreign place, completely different culture, different challenges, um, people suspicious of foreigners, you know, it was like that then. Um, yeah, it was a challenge. And I guess you sort of take it for granted. But he must have had a tough time. He was a he was quite a sort of um, slightly insensitive, very determined sort of guy. Um, and I think actually he was very lucky. He married a woman who was very tough, really tough. I didn't meet, you know, I didn't uh, spend long with them because unfortunately he died sort of when I was quite young. But certainly I remember that his wife was a really tough nut and she drove him on. And I think she was very much the, 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 the sort of wore the trousers, wore the shoes in the family. So yeah, she, she was a, a, a tough lady. But yeah, it's it, an amazing achievement. You know, set up a factory. Um, and, you know, it was a good time. Um, gradually, after the war in particular, there was a strong demand for shoes, in particular from the UK. Uh, and with his brothers in the factory, you know, the business grew. They sold lots of shoes. Um, and, you know, at that time, amazingly, you know, the UK and in particular London was a pretty major centre of, of footwear production. Obviously, there aren't any left now. Um, so, yeah, they were in an interesting business uh, and a growing business. Stay with me for more from my business show today, Daniel Rubin. Um, he's from Tough Stock, as you've been hearing, and let's find out how that's affected him and in his journey as he's grown um, the June business. Time for some music. And this is Esperanza Spalding with I Know You Know. Esperanza Spalding with the lovely I Know You Know. Daniel Rubin's my business shaper today, and as uh, you've been hearing, I hope, he's found an executive chairman, I should mention, of the June Group. Uh, fourth generation member of a family, a tough family, who it started with uh, his grandfather coming across just at the end of the 19th century. You mentioned that there was a demand for shoes. You mentioned that we obviously this, this country was a, a pretty strong manufacturing uh, base, even a powerhouse way back. Um, you went off and became an accountant, and then you did move into the family business. Do you, do you remember why you shifted in there? Was there a need from the family, or was it that you, you decided? I, yes, I was. Um, I mean, I failed O-level maths, so I struggled to become a chartered accountant. I did finally make it, and I joined. Those were the days when uh, the big firms were desperate for people, you know, completely different from now. So I got an, a degree at the University of Kent, 
believe it or not, in accounting. Um, and then I joined Deloitte. So that, then it was Tushros, Bailey and Smart, but now it's part of Deloitte's. And I stayed there. I enjoyed it. It was very varied. Uh, we did lots of lots of different business audits, uh, stockbrokers. And I was there for about five years uh, and then decided to move on. Um, I joined a business that was run by a guy that was a bit crooked who uh, who was famous for having the first um, E-Type Jaguar, I think. Uh, but he he had he'd bought a business, a, a demolition business that was knocking down lots of buildings in the city. And I joined him because he had very ambitious plans to grow that. It didn't work out. Um, in the end, he was pushed out of the business and they made me managing director of a demolition company. And I thought, is this the right job for a nice Jewish boy? And at the time, um, my father was doing well. It was the time of Bieber and he was making tons of Bieber boots and doing exceptionally well. And I thought, do I want to be a demolition guy? Uh, and my father needed some help. His health was, wasn't very good. So in 1976, I decided to do what he told me not to do, uh, to become a shoe manufacturer. So I sort of uh, gave up demolition and became a shoe manufacturer and um, spent the next 10 years sort of going backwards and forwards initially to Stoke Newington and then Dalston making shoes, initially with my father, but unfortunately he died soon after I joined the business and we sold that business. But I bought into, amazingly, maybe with hindsight rather stupidly, into another manufacturing business where I remained for 10 years, making ladies' fashion shoes, um, which was incredibly difficult and got more and more difficult as the years went by because at that stage, production was moving to the Far East. Stay with me. We're going to hold the story right there because Chapter 3 is going to see the, the, the June brand arrive um, here with Daniel Rubin, my business shaper. Latest travel in a couple of minutes and before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. My name's Andre Yurkiu. I'm a partner in the competition group at Mishkondorea. Now, competition law, you may be thinking this is to do with uh, winning a prize. Uh, no, this isn't what we do. This is trying to help businesses, large and small, uh, with problems that they encounter in their day-to-day -day business dealings. Now, one of the issues that we very regularly are asked to advise on is when you have a new startup is trying to make a name for itself in the market. And uh, sometimes the existing players we'll all uh, have a cosy chat and decide uh, there's not enough room for a new business coming in here and they might decide to uh, engage in a campaign of activity to make it harder for you uh, to develop your business. Uh, it's the classic David and Goliath story uh, and very often we can use the tools available under the competition rules to help small businesses who feel that they're being kept out of a market. Uh, a classic example could be a new broadband provider who comes in and finds it's very, very expensive for them to access a relevant network. Well, we may be able to find out for you that actually the price you're being charged uh, is far more expensive than it should really be. And obviously, uh, your costs are going to be very important to you. They're going to be very key to you making a profit. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. The last one of 2016, just in case you hadn't noticed, it is New Year's Eve. Um, We'll be back in 2017 um, and with lots more fantastic people who are shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of 2016 or before, then cityam.com is a destination. And in 2017, we'll be there as well. And obviously, we'll be here on Jazz FM. Daniel Rubin is my business shaper today, um, and he's founder and executive chairman of the June Group. And Daniel, we've been talking about you transitioning from being the um, the demolition man to someone who was then back in the shoe business, and you weren't really a demolition man for very long. Tell me about where the, the notion of the June brand came from, because right now, June London, and I think you rebranded in 2014, but June, the June brand has real resonance when you talk to people who buy shoes, and most of us have to buy shoes, and women who buy shoes, and other things as well. They know you. You have very high brand awareness amongst a huge group of people, not just in this country, but around the world. Before it was that, and when it wasn't that, and when it was just a thought, where where did the thought come from to create this thing that you've now got? I, I was in manufacturing for 10 years till 1986, and it was very clear that manufacturing was just disappearing in the UK, footwear manufacturing. It was all going to the Far East. China was becoming the major source of footwear. Uh, because they had, you know, it's low technology business, um, they have low labor costs, so it was the natural place to go. So I sold my business, manu- manufacturing business, and set up a, an import business. And so for the next, uh, from 1986 and for the next 10, 15 years, I was importing shoes. And I was importing shoes really for the for the multiple retailers, for Next, for Marks and Spencers, for Debenhams, people like that. And what, what I was doing was I was designing shoes. I was flying out to the Far East, coming back, going up the M1 to visit Next and selling them shoes, all unbranded, all had their name in. And this was getting more and more difficult. And I suddenly thought, you know, I've got nothing really. I don't have a brand here. All I'm doing is a lot of work. I'm making a good return. But, um, you know, I don't have any brand. And so I was sort of this this of um, food of thought, this, this uh, sort of train of thought continued. And I suddenly sort of thought, I need something. I need more identity. I need to build a brand because then I'll have much more sort of um, value in terms of um, the, the, the sort of hard work I'm putting in. So in 1992, um, we set up June. Um, it was our first foray into retail. Um, we were running it parallel with the import business. It was a very small part of our business. But it was, it was, you know, the more I did it, the more exciting it became because, you know, all of a sudden you had a brand, you were, you were trying to build that brand, you're giving it personality, you're trying to sell it widely. Um, and so gradually over the years, the import company became less and less important. And all my um, sort of passion and hard work was devoted on building June into a, a, a meaningful brand. And we're here now, we're 20 or so, I'm trying to do the maths, I'm rubbish at maths, but actually you're not so good at maths either, even though you're an accountant, so we're both in trouble. Over 20 years later, you've got something really big and special. What was the first tipping point when you went, you know what, this this idea to create value, it's working? Was there a first moment when you went, this is going to work? To be honest, no. You know, I think the thing about entrepreneurs, they're all a little bit insecure and it was tough in the beginning. We opened a few shops and then we had a bit of a rest. Then we opened some more shops. Gradually, I suppose we did. I did sort of feel that, yeah, this was going to be bigger than the import business. But it was it wasn't there wasn't any sort of uh, big moment. It was a sort of gradual thing. 
Uh, and I don't know, I think the thing I find, maybe because I'm sort of always not expecting the worst, but um, I, I've, I always sort of was was surprised at how well the stores were going. And, and you know, it was tough. You know, the it was tough financially uh, getting the funds. Opening stores is a very expensive business. Shoes, shoe stores hold a lot of stock. So there's a big commitment on, on capital. And I didn't have a lot of that. Fortunately, I built some up in the import business. But, you know, there were things like personal guarantees, a lot of commitments uh, to building stores. So, you know, you didn't really have the luxury to step back and say, oh, this is great. You know, this is all going the right direction. It was really a sort of um, organic thing. And then suddenly you do realize you step back. Yeah, I've got about 20 stores and they're trading pretty well and I'm making a bit of money. And then you feel a lot better about things. And, And then I think you start to push on and say, yeah, where can we take? this. Uh, so that, that, that was really the, the, the story, I guess, uh, about how I started June. Stay with me for more for um, how not only did Daniel start June, but what happened next. And there's um, phenomenal success that followed. Time for some music. This is Sea Jam Blues from the Oscar Peterson Trio. The Oscar Peterson Trio with Sea Jam Blues. Daniel Rubin's been talking to me about no particular epiphany that happened. There was no moment as such, but the kind of the hard graft of raising the money, opening the stores, and then suddenly going, oh, hold on, well, I've got 20 of them. Maybe I can do this. You've got how many stores now around the world? Gosh, I think we've got about 300 stores, 300 point of sales, because we have quite a lot of concessions, stores in stores. Uh, But there are around 300 um, in 30 countries around the world. You've got over 2,000 people that work for you, a lot of moving pieces. Um, how do your senior management team describe your role in the business now, Daniel? God, that's an interesting one. I think you should ask them. Um, I like to feel I'm inclusive. Um, I think the key thing is you know, you've got to get really good people and give them responsibility and let them get on with it. Um, I have in the past maybe meddled a little bit too much. And I think one of the good things about getting older, you sort of realize that actually a lot of people can do a lot of things a lot better than you. So it's much better to step back. So my involvement with the business now is much more strategic. I also do get really involved in the product. Amazing for a chartered accountant. But I do spend a lot of time looking at women's feet, looking in shop windows, you know, taking my, out my iPhone to photograph shoes. So I do have a passion for the product. And maybe that is in my DNA that was built up over, you know, sort of uh, four generations. But I do love the product. It is a it's a really tactile, interesting product. Uh, and so and to be honest, you know, if you get the range wrong in retailing, uh, you've got no chance. You're dead in the water. So really getting the product range right is absolutely crucial. So I spend quite a lot of my time in range reviews, looking at product uh, and really getting excited by that. Just uh, as an adjunct to the to the passion for the product, which I think I hear many people talk about, and actually that sustains them because it's either in their DNA or they've found it and then they love it. The other thing, just going back to your grandfather and that strain of toughness, which you talked about, you strike me as quite a relaxed person. Obviously, I see people in here and there, and, and they can behave really nicely, and I'm sure they're completely different <laughs> when they're at home or in, they're in the office or wherever they're travelling. But 
would people describe you as tenacious and tough? Have you had to be resilient along the way or has it not been like that really? I think I've had to be resilient, but I sort of take um, sort of pressure pretty well. I don't get that excited. I'm not one to sort of uh, shout and swear a great deal. I, I tend to be a little bit understated in that department. Not to say I'm not critical. I am critical and self-critical. But I think it's so important these days for your team to really enjoy their work, to look forward to coming to work, to have a, a friendly environment. So I really do put quite a lot of, of time into just sort of trying to develop that sort of feeling of team spirit and enjoyment to, at work. Whether they do or not, I'm not sure. But we, we certainly do as a business try and encourage that. We'll reveal the poll later of the 200 people I spoke to. I didn't really. It's okay. Final chat coming up with uh, Daniel. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the meters. That's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was The Meters, The Funky Meters, and Just Kissed My Baby. Daniel Rubin is here just for a few more minutes of the last programme for Jazz Shapers in 2016. And what a great way to go out, Daniel. Um, Going forward, the web has been upon us for a while. The digital environment has changed the nature of what your stores are used for inevitably, as it has for all of us. You know, we go and pick things up now and we go and complain. We don't necessarily buy over there. What's the vision for you for the next few years? And have you got family that's going to come in and make a fifth generation in the June business? Well, to answer that question first, no, I haven't. Um, My son is a film producer um, and he's doing very nicely and is passionate about film. My daughter is in fashion, but she's a mother and she designs dresses. She went to Central St. Martin's. So, but neither of them have really shown any great desire to come into the shoe business. So, no, there is no family, um, which... I have mixed feelings about. I think, you know, sometimes it can be really tough working with family. So on balance, I don't think I'm I'm too upset by that. Vision for the future. There is a real opportunity of uh, international growth. Um, we're opening stores all over the place. Saudi Arabia was there last week. India, we're opening several more stores. So, yeah, there's a real opportunity to do that. I mean, it's not easy. Uh, and, you know, we're finding that most markets are very challenging at the moment. But I do think that June, we've been very successful at tailoring our product for local markets, yet still remaining, retaining the essence and personality of the brand. And I think that's a really important sort of uh, ingredient. So, yeah, we're really going to push for international expansion as a key element of growth. Now, you mentioned that wasn't easy. And obviously, in the context of um, a significantly changed political landscape, not just here, but probably in Europe and definitely in America now, and who knows what's going to happen next. How do you hold the line? How does a business, a significant international business, ensure that it sticks to a strategy or rather flexes and continues to grow? Because you've got more things that could go wrong around you that you can't control. 
Yeah, I think you need to be true to the brand. And, and you know, it's all about, you know, we keep on hearing from retailers, it is about the customer. It is about the customer, you know, and it's really making the brand resonate in those countries you're in and, and sticking to making sure that you have a great range. I think, you know, in the end, as I've said before, the product is absolutely key. There are sort of all sorts of geo political challenges and you know Russia's been really tough over the last few years so you know we need to take an account of that but I think we can't be too driven by that in the end our business is all about number one finding the right partner because a lot of our business is uh, with partners international partners we've got great partners in the Middle East great partners in in India and in other parts of the world in South Africa and, and where else we trade so I think it's about finding the right partner who really believes in the brand and working together to really crack that market to understand the consumer to understand the right distribution channels I think that's the most important thing doesn't really matter to some extent what's happening politically of course you know if a country is going through big changes uh, then it may be more difficult you know for example in Saudi now right now you know they've they've cut uh, the government cut salaries by 20% so you know that market's going to be tougher but I don't think that's a reason for us to not go in that market I think we just got to go in um, and offer a great product and a great price and and, um, with a really uh, sort of compelling brand statement, and and the customers come. You make it sound so simple. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was too. Listen, fantastic talking to you, Daniel. Um, we've run out of time, but just before I let you go and in, and enjoy the rest of 2016 and 2017 that follows, what is your song choice today, and why have you chosen it? Well, I'm a real fan of Gregory Porter. Uh, I think he's got a really unique voice. Uh, much overused word, but and the song I'm going to choose is Holding On. Thank you very much. Weight of love on my shoulder. That was Gregory Porter with Holding On, the song choice of my business shaper today, Daniel Rubin. Super calm, full of common sense, and he didn't make it sound easy because it isn't easy, but he sort of gave us the impression that he really knew how to run that business, and indeed uh, the facts would bear that out. Really great stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place, the other side of the new year that'll be 2017 yes i can't believe it either um thank you very much for listening to 2016 i hope you've enjoyed all the programs look forward to joining you again next year in the meantime stay with us here on jazz fm for the rest of new year's eve have a great one jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mish it's business but it's personal